Thank you. You may be seated, and it's wonderful to be able to remember the works of the Lord. Amen? Amen. And I'm so grateful for the joyous praise and giving an offering and giving on that kind of note of praise and uh, not like a funeral dirge. (laughs) So it's a joy to be able to celebrate our gracious God how good he is, faithful, and we just praise the Lord for the privilege of being able to give to the one who's given so much to us. Let's turn in our Bibles now to the passage uh, Matthew read for us. We read along with him in 2 Corinthians. If you turn there, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, and if you are our guest, once you know that we are... Uh, in a focus here that uh, winds up today with our Jehovah Jireh offering uh, that we are calling trusting God, trusting God and the sub-focus of that is generosity for generations and it is very fitting because we have by God's grace seen generations of the Lord's blessing and generations raised up to serve the Lord. And until the Lord comes back, we're trusting generations to come, right? And so as a part of that, we are uh, in the process of uh, constructing a children's uh, building, renovation. And so that's been tied into this focus of generosity for generations. But ultimately... Uh, Our giving is uh, not to a special focus or even a special cause. Always Christian giving is to the Lord. It's an act of worship. And it's good for us to be reminded of that. And so the Lord says that we can trust him in all things. And we, two weeks ago, focused on this when God says, trust me, test me. Trust me, test me. We looked at the passage in Malachi where God says, put me to the test. As far as I know, it's the only time God says that in the word. Put me to the test with your faithful giving to me and see if I will not open the windows of heaven. Bless you. Last week, we were in 1 Kings. Great story of how God provided for Elijah provided for the widow, her son, her family. And the theme was that God is our unfailing provider. He is our unfailing provider. He is Jehovah Jireh, the Lord who provides. And this morning now, as we look at 2 Corinthians chapter 8, want to focus on this, growing through the grace of giving growing through the grace of giving. This morning in our Jehovah Jireh Sunday, we did something a little bit different than we've done in the past. We had the offering before the message. And yes, the offering is for a special uh, special focus in the development of the ministry, the buildings here for our children's ministry. But I thought it would be good if we put the message after the offering to put the focus not so much on the offering, but to put the focus on our spiritual growth, our growing in the grace of trusting God through giving. This week, I thought about something, and I brought it with me, okay? as a a little family heirloom. Now, this is the ugliest thing you've ever seen, (laughs) unless you're me or Susan, and it's beautiful, okay? Now, we lived in the house for about 25 and a half years, one house, and when we moved in there, we knew that'd be the house where we'd raise our children. I think uh, Ruth was, oh, about six or seven years of age, and we had just adopted Stephen uh, from Romania, and he was two and a half or so, and 
Jessica hadn't even come along yet. So somewhere around that time, I've got the idea that, hey, let's just measure the kids on a wall here. And so over the years, we just measured the children. <laughs> and uh, I want you to know, when we sold the home, we replaced the wall. I want to make very clear about that. <laughs> we, we did do that, didn't we, Susan? Okay. She doesn't remember. I think we did. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> but no, we did. But uh, I said, this has got to go with us. Susan said the same thing, because it starts way down here uh, around 1998. And uh, here's where Stephen was th three feet something. And uh, when Jessica came along, she three feet, 10 inches. And it goes on up. You follow Ruth was a little taller. It goes up. And then there's a few names I don't recognize. I don't know. We'd have three, right? I don't know who else. I mean, <laughs> so... <laughs> Cosette's on here, next door, neighbor, Olivia, down the street, they got in on it too, okay, so we, we measured kids. But it goes all the way up here until uh, just before we uh, sold the home, and so, you know, you see uh, Ruth reaching the towering heights of five foot four and a half inches, okay, and uh, so that came with us. So now, uh, we enjoyed having that and referencing it, and it was so much fun just to see uh, the kids try to make themselves taller than they were. And uh, we had a few nephews from Indiana. They were growing tall, and one of them always said, wait, wait and see. Of course, I'm Uncle Sam. <laughs> wait and see, Uncle Sam. I'll be taller than you. And, you know, sure enough, he made it. About a half inch taller than me. He's about six foot five. And uh, so it was exciting to have that. Just a marker, and we look at that. We remember those great, great moments of uh, raising the children. There are some great moments of raising children. You remember those. But now I want you to imagine if we were, say, measuring Ruth. She stands there, 1999, I mark her height. And then in 2000, I'm marker height, and it's the same. And then if in 2002, I'm marker height, and it's the same. What am I going to do? What is Susan and I going to do? We're going to take her. We would have taken her to the doctor because we know something's physically wrong. <laughs> Ruth's not growing the symptom would be she's not growing and we'd want to know what's the physical issue because as a healthy child she should be growing and you can see from this she did but I want to ask us what are measurements for our spiritual growth what are measurements for our spiritual growth how do we measure spiritual growth of course the Bible's gives us many insights. I think especially the fruit of the Spirit, don't you? If we're growing in the Lord, we should be growing in love and joy and peace. Growing in all those Christian graces. But also the Bible tells us that of the many qualities that should be evidence of our spiritual growth, there is this evidence of the quality of generosity. Generosity is an expression of spiritual growth. It is an evidence of spiritual growth. And we're going to see that in our text this morning in 2 Corinthians chapters 8 and 9. That generosity is a way that we can evaluate are we growing in the grace of the Lord. But I also want us to understand this brothers and sisters, that generosity is not just an evidence of growing in grace. Generosity is also a means of growing in grace. We grow in the Lord and in the experience of Him as we are growing in our generosity. 
Now look at our text this morning. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Matthew read this. But I want us to look at a number of verses this morning. But notice this. Paul says to the church of Corinth. But as you excel in everything. Chapter 8 verse 7. Are you there? But as you excel in everything. In faith. In speech. In knowledge. In all earnestness. And in our love for you, see that you excel in this act of grace also. Now, what is Paul talking about? What is he calling an act of grace? He's talking about this special offering that the believers in Macedonia and Achaia, modern-day Greece, are giving to the Lord. And notice chapter 8 and chapter 9, two chapters back to back in the New Testament are given over to a discussion of an offering. Paul is talking about an offering and he's using this offering as an opportunity to speak to Brothers and sisters in the Lord, about the grace of giving, about growth through giving, about also, listen carefully, God's guidance, God's guidance for how we can grow in the grace of giving. And that's what I want for a few minutes for us to consider. From God's word, he's not just telling us information about an offering that the Christians in that part of the world we know as Greece received back in the 6th century A.D. No, he's writing also to us because the Holy Spirit inspired these words, right? What the Lord says here about giving, listen carefully, is just as inspired as John 3.16. It's the word of the Lord. And so God led the Apostle Paul to write to believers and churches in his day. But he, by the Holy Spirit, guided Paul's words so that the message would be to Christians for all the ages. And so what we have this morning is God's divine guidance for how we can grow in the grace of giving. How we grow spiritually through the grace of giving. Now I want you to notice chapter 8 and chapter 9, as I said, is all one continual message to Paul about this offering. And so what I want to do is just pull out. We're just going to walk through these two chapters. And no one faint with what I'm about to say. (laughs) Ushers may need to guard the doors. (laughs) There's 14 principles here. (laughs) Some of you are saying, wait a minute. I've heard your three points and how long they they take. I should have brought lunch and dinner. Okay. No. No. We're going to just go through this and listen to how God tells us that we can experience Him, gives us guidance on how to go about our giving so that we experience growth in grace. So today, what we're going to share for all of us is a measure for our growth. For some of us, it's going to be maintain your growth. And for some of us, perhaps, get motivated about your growth in the grace of giving. Now, the context here, because without a context, this is just Pastor Sam who's got something to say and he's found a verse. Okay. 
And that's the way a lot of times uh, preaching goes. You know, the pastor's got something on his mind and he's hunted the scripture until he's found the verse. But what I want to do is make sure we see this is coming out of the scripture. This is not Pastor Sam speaking into it. What's the context here? The context, here's the big picture, is a global testimony of the gospel. Because something is happening that has never happened in the history of the world. Here's what's happening. The believers in Jesus in Judea who are Jewish, because of their belief in Jesus as Messiah have been, many of them, put out of their communities. They've been put out of the synagogue. They've lost their jobs. They've been put out of their families because of their belief in Jesus as Messiah. And because of that, tens of thousands of Jewish believers in Judea are on the verge of starvation. They're experiencing terrible, terrible situations. Now Paul becomes aware of this and he is on his mission planting churches among the Gentiles. Remember, he has crossed over having received the vision of the Macedonian man saying come over and help us and Paul and his team bring the gospel to Europe for the first time and Paul and his team begin winning people to Christ discipling them as we heard Daniel share earlier and planting churches all over northern Greece which at that time was called Macedonia. And then Paul goes south to Athens, and then he goes further south to Corinth, and he's involved with his team and him personally in Corinth, planting churches, and he becomes aware of this terrible situation that's happening in Judea, And so God puts it on his heart. I will ask these Gentile believers to take a special offering to give to their Jewish brothers and sisters in Judea. This has never happened before. There's nothing like it. But it is a global testimony of what Jesus can do. What did God tell Abraham, the father of the Jewish people? Through you, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. How's that going to happen? By the gospel. What power on earth is going to cause Gentile Roman citizens to care anything about Jewish people In Judea, what's going to cause it? The love of God. And so Paul sees here an opportunity to show the world something that has never been seen before. That in Christ, the Messiah, there is no longer Jew or Gentile. There's one family. The wall's been torn down. All who come to God by faith are welcome. And this offering is going to prove it. It's going to be a worldwide testimony. And Paul is telling these folks in the southern part of Greece. (laughs) Take that in. The southern part of Greece. (laughs) Don't miss out on this. Don't let your northern brothers and sisters up in Macedonia be the only ones. I told you a year ago That this offering's being taken. You've known about it for a year. Now I'm coming with the team. We're on our way to Jerusalem. And we're going to take this offering. Now, you can't believe what your brothers and sisters up here in northern Greece, Macedonia, have done. Now you all, as churches, 
and individuals have an opportunity to participate. That's the context. That's the whole thing. But in that offering, which was so historic, so monumental, the Lord is teaching his people for all the ages what he can do through them and in them through giving. So what is his guidance? Here they are. Are you ready? Number one, God says this about our giving. Give by first giving yourself. Give by first giving yourself. Look at chapter 8, verse 5. He talks about the Macedonians and how they've given out of their poverty. They're not rich people. The word here for poverty is abject poverty. And he says, and this, not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then by the will of God to us. Friends, all generosity begins here. It begins as our heart is touched, recognizing the Lord has purchased us. We give ourselves. Generosity begins with not just giving funds, but giving yourself to the Lord. Why? Because... You love him because he first loved you. Give by first giving yourself to the Lord. Every opportunity we have to give should be a reminder of, Lord, not just this, but my life is yours. Number two, what else does Paul say? He's guiding them in their giving. God's speaking through him. Number one, they gave and give yourself by first giving yourself to the Lord. Secondly, give as a process of spiritual growth. Give as a process of spiritual growth. Look at verse 7. We read it earlier. But as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all earnestness, and in our love for you, see that you excel in this act of grace also. So we ask ourselves the question, am I growing in this grace? As I'm growing in my knowledge of the Lord, I'm growing in my understanding of the things of God, I'm growing in faith, I am growing in strength spiritually, am I growing in generosity? Am I growing up in generosity? Give as we give, we should give as a part of a process of our spiritual growth. Here's the third principle Paul has here for us. Number three, he says to these believers in southern Greece, and he's coming to them for the offering that they've been aware of. He says this, give and as an expression of your genuine love. Let your giving to God be an expression of your genuine love. Look at verse 8. Paul says, I say this not as a command. He's an apostle. He can command them. But he says, I say this not as a command, but to prove by the earnestness of others by telling you what the Macedonians have done in their giving, I want you to prove your love also is genuine. Well, some people say, well, listen, my giving has no connection whatsoever with my love for the Lord. Well, Jesus didn't quite see it that way. What did he say? Where your treasure is, what? There will your heart be also. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Your heart, your devotion, your interest will follow 
what you treasure. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Now, I've never done this, but I once heard a pastor who had the same thing he said over every offering the church gave. As again, as I'm saying, I've not done this. I'm just quoting a dear brother, all right? Here's what the pastor said at every offering. Listen. He would say, quote, Lord, regardless of what we say or do, this is what we really think of you. Whoa. Lord, regardless of what we say or do, this is what we really think of you. Where your treasure is, your heart will be also. It's a principle. Give as an expression of your genuine love. Number four, give as a response to Christ's gift to you. Give as a response of Christ's gift to you. Look at chapter 8, verse 9. What does Paul say? For you know... And the word here is you know by experience. You don't just know about this. You know by experience the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. That though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor so that you by his poverty might become rich. You ever heard of a rags-to-riches story? Someone born into incredible poverty, but by hard work and diligence and vision, they rose to great wealth. So were those Horatio Alger stories of a few generations ago. Well, my friends, that wasn't Jesus' story. Jesus' story was not rags to riches. Jesus' story was riches to rags. At his very birth, he was wrapped in rags and laid in a manger. But why? Why would Jesus make this eternal journey from riches to rags so that you and I could go from our spiritual rags to riches in Christ. That's why he did it. Jesus went from riches to rags so that we could go from rags to riches. We have experienced this. If you're a Christian, you have experienced this. So our giving should be a response. It's a responsiveness to the one who has given all for us. Became poor so that in his poverty we might become rich. Number five, Paul says, give as an expression of your plans to give. Give as an expression of your plans to give. Now this is interesting. Look at verse 10 and 11. He said, in this manner, I give my judgment. This benefits you. Who a year ago started not only to do this work, he's talking about the offering, but to desire to do it. So now, finish doing it as well. So that your readiness in desiring it may be matched by your completing it out of what you have. What's Paul's saying, you heard about this uh, over a year ago. And you responded with a desire to participate. He says, now that you have had this opportunity and there was this willingness, carry out what God has put on your heart as he has provided for you. Now this is, Paul's most personal epistle. If you want to know more about the Apostle Paul than any other epistle in the New Testament, and his personal heart, 2 Corinthians is that letter. And so, following the Apostle Paul on this point, I want to glorify God personally on on behalf of Susan in saying 
As we think about Jehovah Jireh offering year after year, it's not something that's just in our plan when we get around to October or the 1st of November. No. We plan for it. We make preparation for it. So that when the time comes around every year, we enter into it. Not out of a sense of necessity, but we've planned. And as we've planned, God's provided and we're able to joyously give. I don't say that in any braggadocious way because all glory goes to God. But I want you to know it is not unspiritual to make plans. And it is not unspiritual to make plans to be generous. Now, hear me out. God prompts your heart to give, you give. And that's a part of your life as well. You're prompted to give to someone or a need or give. But also part of our growth in the Lord is that we are planning to be generous as God provides. Number six. Give as God provides for you to give. (laughs) Okay. Some of you are going to love verse 12. For if there is a readiness, well, I wanted to participate. It is acceptable according to what a person has, not according to what he does not have. What is Paul saying here? He is saying it. It's it's very, very simple. He's saying as you pray about it, God knows your heart. But he wants you to respond based on what he's given to you. What he's given to somebody else, that's between that person and the Lord. The Lord owns it all, right? Let's go back to the first principle. All of us are managers. We're not owners. And if you want to mess things up, just start acting like an owner when you're a manager. (laughs) We're managers. And he's given some more to manage than others. But here is the thing. The Lord does not hold us accountable in our giving for what we don't have, but for what he has provided for us. Isn't he kind to do that? It's so simple. It's so practical. It's so faithful. That as I see God has provided for me, then out of that, he directs me on how to give to him. Number seven, Paul gives this principle. Give as a means of caring for the family of God. Give as a means for caring for the family of God. Now again, why was this offering being taken? To care for the family of God in Judea. And here's what Paul says. He says in verse 13. I do not mean that others should be eased and you burdened. But that as a matter of fairness. Your abundance at the present time should supply their need. So that their abundance may supply your need. That there may be fairness. What is he saying? He says we're a family. And if someone in the family has need, we participating and seeing that need is met in the family of God. And then there may come a time when the reverse is true. We may find ourselves in a situation of need and others provide for us. This is part of the plan of God. Friends, from the very first, the Lord wants the local congregations of his people to make sure that in the fellowship of the believers, every need is met. Now, I did not say every greed is met. Someone said even God doesn't have that much to meet somebody's, some people's greeds, but needs. There should never be a time when in the family of God, The basic needs of any person are not being met. That's the work of love. And so here we see that the Lord is telling us to give as a means of caring for the family of God. Number eight. 
Give generously in faith-filled anticipation. Now, we're going to look at chapter 9, verse 6. You say, well, Pastor Sam, why did you skip over from chapter 8, verse 16, all the way down to through chapter 9, verse 5? Because Paul then tells them, now here's the logistics of the offering. Here's how it's going to be handled. Here's how we're going to do it. And it's very interesting to read that passage, how he was very careful that the gospel could no way be tainted by a testimony of greed or any way the message of being absolutely open with the finances would not be carried out. But having said that, he picks up this message to them about generosity. Number eight, give generously in faith-filled anticipation. Look at chapter nine. There's no break. He's still talking about the same subject. Chapter nine, verse six. The point is this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. What is he talking about? The principle of sowing and reaping. This is in the physical creation where as we plant much, there, there is a greater harvest. And he says here that this also goes in the spiritual area that as we are generous in our giving, there is a great harvest that comes from that. I think you know that Susan and I grew up in Indiana. You know what? I never saw one of those who's your farmers in the springtime being stingy with the seed. <laughs> you know, saying, I think we're going, you know, I just don't, I think we're going to hold back. No, why? Because they're not looking at the planting, what are they looking for already? The harvest to come. And they're generous. And the Lord tells us to have the same anticipation to say, look, I wonder what God's going to do. I remember 36 years ago now, we'll be in a couple of weeks that Susan and I were called here. And... I won't go into all the details and to the financial challenges that were facing the church at that time. They were unbelievable, I'll tell you. The weekly offering was budget was $1,800 a week and weren't even coming close to meeting that. And there was a big balloon payment on this property where we are that was coming due in less than two years but we believed God was not finished with the witness of this congregation and it came to my mind to make a little sign that people would put on the refrigerator because I wanted them to put it someplace where I knew they would see it. <laughs> Here's what it said. Three words. Watch God work. Watch God work. Not watch us work this out. Watch what we're going to do. No. Watch God work. I can't even begin to tell you how he did it. I, I, literally, I could not tell you how he did it, but I know he did it. He took care of our needs in abundance, and he has through these many years. Friends, I want to tell you, if you trust God, watch him work. He will provide. Number nine, give thoughtfully and purposefully. Give thoughtfully and purposefully. Purposefully. Verse 7. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart. Pray about it. Think about it. What has God put on your heart? 
Spontaneous is wonderful. God puts it on your heart immediately. But God is also praised by our plan and purpose. Give thoughtfully. Give purposefully. Number 10. Here's another principle from verse 7. Give without compulsion or pressure. Give without compulsion or pressure. Look at verse 7. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion. Don't give because you have to give or you feel pressured to give. My friend, I want to say that as loudly as I can. If you don't want to give, don't give. (laughs) Don't do it. But let me beg you in Jesus' name. Ask the Lord to show you what's going on with your wanter. If you don't want to give, what's that all about? Ask Him to show you. Number 11. Give to God cheerfully. I love this. Verse 7 again, each one must give in his heart as he's decided, as he decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. You know what the word there for cheerful is? The Greek word is hilarious. (laughs) Yeah. Hilarious. I, I would love to see it sometime. I, I think we came close today. <laughs> Giving to the Lord and a pep rally breaks out. It's unbelievable. No. Hilarious here means joyful. If we're not generous, you know what we become? Miserable people. Amen. What's part of the word Miserable miser miserly people become miserable people but I want to tell you generous people not the amount but generous from their hearts are joyful people number 12 give to God confidently give to God confidently here Paul quotes from Psalm 11 Verses nine, nine, uh, chapter 9, verses 9 and 10. As it is written, he has distributed freely. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. He's, descri- he's describing what David says, the righteous man. The righteous person distributes freely. He gives to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. It's it. Goes on and producing fruit. And God says this. Paul says this is what God will do to give that ability. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. Now you see, Paul takes in the whole, the whole circle of the harvest, the bread. God will provide the bread. Matter of fact, he'll provide the seed. He'll provide the seed. He'll multiply the seed. Then he will provide the harvest. And guess what's in the harvest? Seed for ongoing generosity. Provide for you and to provide for more opportunities to give. Give to God confidently. Number 13. Give to the cause Give to cause thanksgiving to God. Give to cause thanksgiving to God. Verse 11. You will be enriched in every way. To be generous in every way. Which through us, okay, we're taking your generosity. And what's going to be happening in Judea? It's going to produce Thanksgiving to God. Thanksgiving is coming to the believers in Judea because of what you are doing. Verse 
12. For the ministry of this service, that is this offering, is not only supplying the needs of the saints, that's your brothers and sisters, but it's also going to overflow in thanksgiving going to God. God will be exalted. God will be lifted up. His name will be known. Thanksgiving will rise up because of what you have shared by your giving prayers of thanks will come to God (laughs) you imagine being the inspiration for thanksgiving to God now look at verse 13 and 14 and for you there will come prayers of thanks to God what will happen in return to you Verse 13, by their approval of this service, they receive it for what it is. They will glorify God because of your submission that comes from the confession of the gospel of Christ. This is gospel motivated. And the generosity of your contribution for them and for all others. Now notice what they're going to do in return. Send you more money? (laughs) No. While they long for you. And they will pray for you. Because of the surpassing grace of God upon you. They will give you the greatest treasure any person can give to another person. And that is prayer to God on your behalf. There's no greater riches than someone prays for you. And that is what he says is going to happen. You are going to raise up a host of people who will pray for you and your life and witness. Number 14. Always this. Give exalting in the gift of Jesus. Exalting, that means overflowing with joy. Here's how Paul wraps up what he has to say about this offering. It's all coming from God. And it all goes back to God in worship. Thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. Thanks be to God. The ultimate thanksgiving is why? To thank God that he so loved you that he gave his one and only son. Amen. That by faith in him and his sacrifice for you, you might be his child and enter into everlasting life. Every act of our generosity should be mindful Of the generosity given to us. Thanks be to God. For his inexpressible gift. What did Jesus say? Freely you have received. What? Freely give. Oh my friend. When we think on Jesus. He opens our hearts. But he opens our clenched fists. So that as we give to him. He returns to us joy, the incredible experience of who he is, this amazing interaction that we give, motivated by the fact that he gave to us. Well, friends... How do you measure up? How do you measure up? How are we measuring up in this growing of our grace in this area? Growing in grace. Some, maybe we need to keep on growing. Don't stop. (laughs) Might be some of us, (laughs) we need to get on the chart. (laughs) Start. Start where you are. But 
grow in this generous heart. And it's not about the amount. It's about the spirit. As God provides. And you trust him. And you experience him. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Father. My prayer is that what I've shared today is not heard in financial terms. And forgive me, Father, if in any way anything I have said has communicated this in financial terms or in business principles. And, O oh Lord, take away that by your Spirit from anyone here who maybe is resistant but Lord, that they will say, why this resistance? Is it rooted in something in the past? Is it rooted in how I've seen the abuse of church? And the church of the Lord has abused people. Lord, we know that's true. But Lord, help us not to hide behind a church of the past or a, or a experience with people that have not been generous and right in that but Lord may we before you receive your word receive this message to our hearts may we have a desire Lord to be like you generous generous in giving to you and to others for your glory Lord most of all I pray that every person here will know the treasure in the field, the pearl of great price, Jesus Christ, my Lord. Lord, I pray that every person here will receive by faith this treasure of Jesus. Lord, in you we're all rich because you became poor for us. We bless you, praise you. And now, Lord, Help us to respond. All we are to all you are. In Jesus' name, amen.